Hi, welcome to the gastroenteritis blues. I'm Dan. You sound really blue, Dan. Well, that game sucked. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And it's late. What kind of, who starts a game? All right, we don't even need to introduce ourselves. Like, who starts a game at 8.30 on a Sunday? That's ridiculous. But whatever. I'm Dan Valpone. I'm here with Emily Cannell. Steve's not here. He's at, like, a bachelor party or something. He's at a wedding. I don't know. It just seems like he's putting weddings above the podcast these days. And I don't really understand how that's allowed. Um, I might have to have a talk with someone at Liberty Ballers about that. But um, anyway, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm tired. I bowled really well tonight. But that game sucked. That game did suck. So, I mean, we might as well start off with tonight's game. I mean, it'll be we can, we can, we don't have to say too much about it. Um, Sixers were just awful, and they got off to a quick fourteen point lead. Um, and I was super encouraged because usually the Raptors play us really tough, and those games are awful. And the Sixers look great to start the game, and then it turned into a typical Sixers Raptors game, where the Sixers just got nothing going. Joel couldn't hit a shot. He actually got some decent looks. Um, Harden with like three really bad turnovers in a row in the fourth quarter. Sixers only scored 88 points uh, in a five-point loss. The starters were actually a plus in that game, um, except for Harden. Yang was a minus 22. Um, That kind of jives with what I saw, I feel like. Like he hit three threes but he's so slow and the Raptors have just like eight or nine guys. There's the same size, but faster. And it makes it tough to find, you know, a good defensive matchup for Yang in a game like this. I mean, he had some, some nice defensive possessions at the end, but it still felt like, you know, he had to really buckle in and play phenomenal just to get a stop. And um, I don't know what were, what were your takeaways from tonight? Yeah, I was also hopeful because I'm pretty sure this is like the first game the Sixers have lost where Maxi scored. I mean, not Matisse scored over 10 points. That really fun stat has died now, especially because he started like with like two threes. And I'm like, oh, shit, we've got a Matisse game when we have a Matisse game. We normally have a win, but that didn't happen tonight. Um, I also really love that even though Joel couldn't hit, like he was six of 20, like couldn't hit anything. He's still 21 and 13. Like the fact that 21 and 13 is like an abysmal Joel game is honestly a blessing in my life. Um, But yeah, it was a bad game. We did get some, some B-ball Paul minutes. He got in for three minutes, which we've been asking for. I don't really know that he was given the time or the opportunity to do anything, but at least he saw the basketball court. I think it's important to note there that he got in like at the wing. Yeah, Um, that's true. And like, what are we seeing from DeAndre Jordan? That we can't play Bassey or, or, or Reed. And I feel like if DeAndre Jordan were to get hurt or to get in foul trouble, we'd probably see Paul Millsap. And I, 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 I feel like I'm going crazy and it, it's, it's unacceptable to me at this point that, you know, and I, I even almost understand it for Reed, like 
I think there's times he makes a lot of sense and there's times he makes less sense. But Bassey, in every opportunity he's had, has just been like totally fine, which is really all you need. Um, Jordan has given them nothing. Why not give him a shot? I mean, I think we're on the same page here, but like, are you seeing anything different from DeAndre Jordan? I mean, we're talking about a guy who built his career on things that required jumping, like catching lobs, blocking shots, rebounding the ball. He can't leave the ground anymore. Like he occasionally will finish a lob because he's like still tall enough to dunk and he like knows where to be in position, but he's like straight up cannot jump and he really doesn't do anything else well. Like, am I out of bounds? Like, am I, am I seeing, are you seeing something I'm not here? Or, or do you agree that like, we're getting nothing from him? Yeah. Initially my thought was like, okay, DeAndre Jordan, I'm pretty sure I said this, like, doesn't make me want to gouge my eyes out while I watch him. Like, that's a big win for me. The first couple games were fine. I do agree. And then it's really just like taking a turn to um, not like, I love like eye gouging levels. He just isn't, especially when you have, I think part of the problem is we have these young athletic guys on the bench. And so when you're talking about backup center minutes in which you're not getting that many of them anyways, it's like, why are we not trying to play these like young athletic guys and like, see what they can do when you're not doing anything anyways. So yeah it he's not doing it for me but it, he's here so I don't know. another another quick thing that I want to touch on real quick before we do a quick recap of the other games it's like an overarching thought um you know Shake has fully worked his way back into the rotation it seems um he has really given you not anything at all um like just nothing. And in, you know, in the last couple of games, he's played uh, a combined, you know, a little over 20 minutes combined um, and hasn't scored. Um, he had zero in 12 against the Mavs. He had zero in eight uh, tonight. Uh, I'm trying to see, trying to remember if he did anything. He had zero. He only played three minutes, but had zero points against the Cavs. Um, and against uh, Denver on Monday night, he played eight minutes and he had three points. So he had three points all week in like 32 or 33 minutes. Um, he seemed to be playing a little bit better last week and he's really giving you nothing now. Um, I think part of that is the offense has not looked nearly as good in general, but he's he's had such a weird kind of career arc because he came in as such a great shooter he was an unreal shooter in college he hasn't shot the ball well in a long time like is he someone that you think should be part of the rotation I know we're not particularly deep but when Doc says he can go 11 deep for me it's just like maybe don't go 11 deep like maybe just don't play these terrible players yeah I agree I think Shake is like he's like our new very very uh, I guess literally everyone on the bench is just very, very streaky. And I would just like love to have someone that's, I guess like Danny and George are like pretty semi-consistent, but to go beyond that, like everyone is so streaky. Like Furkan has just played himself out of the rotation at this point. Although 
based on what Jake has been doing this week, I don't, I one better than the other. Like, I don't know. Like, where's Isaiah Joe? What he, what's he doing? Like, yeah, he got a little bit of run earlier. I don't know if he got run this week. He definitely did last week, but only a little. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the rotation is and I really don't know what it's going to look like come the playoffs. And you mentioned Danny Green. He's not even a guy that they use on like their top, you know, guard assignments defensively anymore um, because he can't move. He's not really hitting his shots. He's, you know, famously completely inept trying to dribble the ball. Um, Like he, you know, and, and he won't be back next year because, you know, they can cut him and, and not have to pay him his $10 million. But, you know, it, it, we, when we talked about, you know, this offseason, you know, the Drummond and, and Yang signings, we kind of scoffed at them at the time, and they actually both played really well. Um, not that we thought they'd be worse than what we had, just that, like, Daryl selling it as, like, a big upgrade was frustrating to us. And I, you know, I, I love, I think we all love George Yang. Um, I know Steve does. He's not here. Um, Steve wrote about that for Liberty Ballers. Um, and, you know, Drummond was really good before we traded him. But one of the big moves that I think that something people really liked was bringing back Danny Green for what a lot of people thought was a really fair contract this summer. And he has really not been good um, and really shouldn't be it from what I've seen from him. And now if you're talking about like, you know, a 10th or ninth or 10th man that gets in, you know, occasionally on, you know, some of these playoff teams that have some speed or something like that, or and just need someone to, you know, stand in the corner and hit a shot. Maybe he could play on a team, but he, he's not good enough for what the Sixers are going to want him to do. And so, you know, the bench is looking worse and worse. And, you know, they're not going all bench anymore, so they're not getting as many looks. But even when they're getting looks, they're really just not, not helping much. Um, but also, like, would you prefer, like, any of these other – outside of George, like any of these other bench guys over Danny, like, no, I mean, I think, I think it's an issue with, I I think a lot of, and you know, we can get into this now if you want. I think a lot of the Sixers issues are just roster construction and, you know, it's something that won't get talked about much because Daryl doesn't get criticized. And, you know, I I don't even have, you know, I have, this is a topic we can save for, you know, a few minutes, but, you know, I think that, you know, there's definitely criticisms of, of Doc, especially with how the offense has been run since Harden got here, you know, in his first couple games versus what it's basically devolved into, which is, you know, the worst of Harden's habits. Um, but in terms of roster construction, this, the current group they have out there, like, this is not like a successful job from Daryl, right? Like, under no circumstance is this a team that should be put out there around Joel and, and Harden. Now, obviously it's tough. Like, you know, Tobias is eating up a ton of the cap, but like, I'm sorry. You have to find guys who can rebound the basketball. Like you just do. And like, they get stops and like, they can't secure the rebound. And the Raptors took, um, I think I saw Jackson Frank tweet out the Raptors took 20 more shots than the Sixers tonight. And this has been a problem all year. This has been, you know, a problem for, you know, not just this game, but it's especially bad against a team like the Raptors who don't like play anyone under six, eight for half the game. But like, it's so unacceptable to me. No one talks about it. It has to be the number one priority in the off season, just to like get guys who can 
not be slow, who can jump, who can like rebound, who can, you know, do that in addition to like hit a shot and like not be a complete disaster on defense. They're so shallow where it's like, I mean, like you said, you know, Furcon's fallen out of the rotation and rightfully so someone else deserved a shot, but Isaiah Joe hasn't really stepped up. I think he's been fine. I wouldn't mind seeing him play. Chase giving you absolutely nothing. Danny Green is washed. Like these are not players that are helping a championship team. Like, like they're going to be a disaster with these guys in the playoffs. And I was hoping it wouldn't be so bad. And even, you know, I was hopeful that, you know, with more open looks, you know, as Harden kind of gets guys into the flow and he's done it for Yang, that maybe guys get into a rhythm and we just haven't seen it. Like these guys who, you know, you know, we, we mentioned by name, Isaiah Cho, Danny Green, Furkan Korkmaz, Shake Milton. These are guys who we like, like they're expected to hit shots. Like they are shooters. They're not necessarily unitaskers, but they're not really impressive at a lot of other things. Like these are shooters. They're not even hitting these open shots. Like, and, and, you know, they, frankly like haven't for a while Danny Green had a really good shooting year last year and I think it was worth bringing him back but Furkan hasn't made shots in a while Shake hasn't made shots in a while and like to be relying on these guys the fact that Isaiah Joe should like arguably like definitely be in the rotation with how really not well he shot the ball how you know he was great in the preseason has been kind of uninspiring this year like it's a failure on Daryl's part and and Doc does stuff wrong but like I mean like, I mean, what do you think has to be the priority this off season? And, you know, I'll throw this one at you too. If it, if it means filling out the bench um, and like, you know, having say, maybe you can't get Bradley Beal or something this summer, but, but if, if you're able to create, you know, maybe $20 million to throw at like real bench players to you, would you say it's worth, you know, getting off of Tobias Harris even if that might mean maybe you give Matisse or maybe you have to unprotect one of those picks, make it a first throw in a few seconds. Maybe you have to give Isaiah Joe, you know, like you give something good, you get off Tobias and you have 20 million to throw at the bench. I mean, what do you think? Because what they're running out there right now just isn't going to work. Yeah, I would be fine with it. Then your only question is you get rid of Tobias. If you throw Matisse in like, then some of those guys that you're filling out the bench with like have to become starters because you're missing players. So then it's not really throwing money at the bench. It's just throwing money at new starters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough situation. Um, yeah. And, you know, other thing we hinted at is, you know, the, the offense has been very frustrating. And so, um, you know, you tell me what you've seen. I've seen a lot of standing around. I've seen a lot of, Harden ISOs, a lot of running the clock with Joel just running in circles, setting pick, didn't work, another pick. Um, what's up, Joel? Out of out of shake, uh, Ferk, Isaiah Joe, and um Danny Green, who do you think out of any of them are gonna be here next season? Oh, um, I mean, I have to look at contracts because I think anyone that they can get off of, they probably will. Although Shake is making nothing. So Shake will probably just be here. I would get uh, Shake and Isaiah. Isaiah Joe will probably be here unless he's, you know, considered an asset in a trade. Um, Danny Green won't be here. Who is the other? Oh, Furcon. I think he's um, under contract still. Furcon's under contract, not making a ton. He might be a throw in a trade if someone talks yeah. himself into him. Um, 
but Danny, I I would be shocked if Danny were here. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, what do, what do you think has, has been the difference here? I mean, to me, I just see a lot of nothing on offense, but it doesn't look like it's that Timberwolves game or that first Knicks game. I mean, things look a lot different. Which I agree. And I don't understand why, because they looked amazing those first two games. You clearly can do it. Everyone was talking about if the Sixers continue to play like this, like everyone watch out and like, yes, like shots were hitting and that kind of has stalled, but like in what world do we, everyone talks about how good you look and then you decide to do something else. Like, I don't understand that. And that I think is a doc thing. No, I agree. And I think part of the solution needs to be having Harden play off ball more often. Um, I, I, you know, he was, he was so, you know, quick to move the ball, um, even when he didn't bring it up in those early games. You know, mm-hmm. if Maxi brought the ball up, it was still a swing from Harden. It wasn't a dribble at the perimeter. Like, and honestly, a way to not let him do it is, you know, they had him on the wing or in the corner a few times where he can't just stand at the top of the key and dribble until there's eight seconds left on the clock. You know, I think it's a habit of his. It's not going to go away. But I think that there's things Doc can do obviously emphasizing that's not how we run, run around the offense, except in certain situations, you know, late in a game when you want to run the clock down um, and you want to run it as, as low as you can. If you have a, a slim lead at the end, I'm fine with it then. I'm fine with, you know, the occasional five dribble step back three when the Sixers really need a bucket, um, even when he catches it on the wing. But I mean, sometimes when you're just consistently running the whole clock, let, like they're they were p- playing fast back then too like let, let maxi have the ball a little bit play play fast like let him get into the lane and kick it out like do something a little bit different because all the standing around has has not been good for the offense and and you know joel talking about he's never been that open obviously i i can discount tonight because the raptors you know run that zone and and they play joel tough always but you know even the other nights this week it's like that wasn't the case. We, we didn't see those easy buckets. And of course, like they're not going to play the Knicks every night, but there wasn't that level of like just ease, like, like where, where, you know, two guys go to Harden and someone somehow leaves and beat. And it's like, Oh, we've never seen anyone just leave and beat before. It's like, that could still happen. Like so those easy things, getting guys into rhythm, you know, like guys get an easy bucket, they get going. Like we haven't had that. Um, and I think that a change needs to be made. And I think part of it is having Maxi on the ball more. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that I almost feel like, and you know, I'm not like a huge James, like I'm happy we have James Harden. I would, I'm happy we don't have Ben. Like, I'm not going to say it was a bad trade, but you know, I'm not like a James Harden fan, super fan, mm-hmm. but like, I just almost wonder and this is probably like the pessimist in me, if like those first couple games, they were kind of like, let's prove that like James can share the ball and James will get Maxi involved and James will do this. And then they did it. And now they're like, okay, we can go back to like, whether it's a coaching thing or a hardened thing, like go back to like doing what you're comfortable with, but it's not working. So like, let's go back to the thing that was fun. Yeah, they, they definitely need to change. And I think they need to they need to look at those first few games and say what can we do that's like that because it wasn't just who they're playing they were playing different basketball regardless of shots going in regardless of opponent and um, it was way more fun to watch this is like slow oh, yeah. and boring and like makes me want to like bang my head against a wall sometimes and that was like I was like look at them pass like this is like how like fun basketball is and now they're killing me 
Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll stick with the other loss this week. So the Sixers went two and two this week. Um, we'll go chronological through the rest of the week. So they, they start off the week with a loss to Denver on Monday. Um, they beat Cleveland on Wednesday and Dallas on Friday. And right now we're recording Sunday night. They just lost to the Raptors in like just a horrible basketball game that just had to be played at 830 on a Sunday when we had the podcast after just an absolute disgrace. Um, hate the Sixers for that. Um, hate the Flyers for having to play earlier in the day to push the Sixers back. Just mad at everyone about this one. Um, so Nuggets game, big storyline, Joel and Jokic going at it. Um, Joel played better. Um, the Nuggets won, uh, which is weird. Bones Highland, kind of local guy, Delaware, like you. Mm-hmm. But you're not from Delaware, but you went to Delaware. He didn't go to Delaware, but he's from Delaware. Uh, he was phenomenal. The um, the Nuggets bench outscored the Sixers bench by about a million points. Mm-hmm. And um, the Sixers actually, you know, with starters on the floor, blew a lead to the Nuggets bench to start the fourth quarter. Jokic had a crazy shot at the end. Um, just kind of a weird game, kind of a wash in the MVP race where like Joel played better, but like still lost the game somehow. And uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts from that game or if you want to gloss over it, any MVP thoughts, you know, as it relates to that game. Yeah, I was there. Um, Me too. Oh yeah. I didn't see you though. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I just thought watching that game and I I don't know that people are going to like remember it, but watching that game, I think anyone, and I tweeted this, like anyone who watched that game and came out of it saying that Jokic is the MVP over Joel, I think doesn't was like, wasn't watching the game. Like, yes, they won, but it wasn't because of Jokic and the Sixers didn't lose because of Joel. Like Joel was much better. I think Jokic had like nine points when Joel was guarding him or something. And Joe had like 37, I don't know over 30 um like it was really the Sixers lost to like Bones Highland but that's not really Joel's fault um I just thought he outplayed him like watching him play them play against each other they did also weren't on the court together that often like it was their weird substitution patterns um but I just saw Joel look better they lost whatever like Bones was literally shooting from like half court and couldn't miss. It was stupid. Um, but yeah, so I just think player versus player, Joel outplayed Jokic in that game. Take that for what it's worth, but that's what I thought. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the uh, weird substitution. So after the game, Doc said that that was because, you know, Joel was tired, asked for a rest early. They were on the second half of a back to back. Kind of bummed out that Doc wasn't just trying something because uh, I kind of liked it. Um, they ended up losing a game they should have won and they blew a big lead, but I don't think that was because of their rotations and I actually liked who they had on the floor, like for most of the game. Um, but of course that was, you know, an accident. So excellent. <laughs> um, so before we go to an ad, let's talk real quick about, you know, the other two games this week, which were the two wins, um, two pretty good wins. I mean, they were up, um, they were up against Cleveland, uh, by like 15 blew that lead. Ended up going down five going into the fourth quarter, but played a really strong fourth quarter um, and won that game. And really just like an overall very solid win um, against Dallas. Um, They, I thought, did a very nice job with Luka. Um, He only had 17 points. He was five for 20 from the field. Um, Kind of reminds me of, you know, when we 
at least, you know, one of the games last year, he only had like 15 points and take a ton of shots. Ben did a great job on him. Um, seems that the Sixers are still, you know, pretty well equipped to guard Luca, probably because they're all slow too. So um, I don't even know. I guess, you know, that's a, a guy they actually have a shot against. Um, do you have any big thoughts from those two games? I hate to gloss over the wins, but they really were like, you know, the one loss was tonight and the other loss was the big game of the week. So, you know, these were two good wins against two solid teams. I don't mean to discount them, but it's just that they're kind of less interesting to me. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I didn't even watch the Dallas game. I was out to dinner on Friday, so I missed the whole thing. Um, and I just like caught the end of the Cleveland game because I was at a friend's house watching Survivor. So I didn't really see them much anyways. I just kind of followed along via Twitter and whatever my phone showed me. But, you know, these are games also that the Sixers should win. Like if the Sixers are going to do anything in the playoffs, like they're both good teams, but like you have to be good teams in the playoffs. So like let they should win, beat these teams. And they've been playing. I like Cleveland. I think they're a really fun young team. So it's it's good to see the Sixers beat them especially because they're in the East and they're fast because they're young and we're old and slow. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, you mentioned that these are, these are good teams and they're on a, a tough stretch of the schedule. And so I'm sure, you know, that wears on them a little bit. Um, a lot of back-to-backs. They've been a lot of back-to-backs. It doesn't help that, you know, they turn, you know, really the only easy game they had in this stretch, the Orlando game into a hard game uh, and had to go to overtime there. But, I'm sure that this has worn on them a bit. They've been playing a lot. They've been playing a lot of good teams. Um, that said, there's really no excuse when, you know, I'm sure the Sixers see themselves as a team who can win the championship this year. Um, they're certainly not playing like it right now, and there's no excuse, you know, for that. So they either have to get it together or, you know, it's, you know, in all likelihood, it's not their year anyway. I mean, they have a lot to figure out, you know, after their top two and, and you know, they're not a lot of chemistry created yet, but you know, if they were going to convince us, this is their year, they're not playing it like it right now. So they were good wins and they need to follow it up with some good wins this week. So um, last thing I want to say before we go to an ad, just a quick note, kind of a bummer. Um, Joel Embiid was officially, I mean, he was one point away from averaging 30 on the season, but it was rounding to 30 going into this game. Um, he only had 21 tonight. So that won't be the case anymore. So hopefully we can have a 40 point game, probably not tomorrow, we probably won't play, but um, a 40 point game in his future to make up for it, get him to 30 would be would be a lot of fun. I think that's a, that's a nicer looking number than 29. All right, we're gonna take a quick ad break and then we're gonna talk about um, Joel Embiid on Draymond Green's podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear, check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Um, you know, Joel B was on Draymond Green's podcast. I saw a few clips, but I didn't listen to all of it. I know you did. did. So I just kind of want to say, Emily, uh, what did you like from it? Tell me. <laughs> I thought it was like a really, really good interview. It was like an hour long. Um, 
which you don't normally get from Joel. And like, unless it's like someone he's like friendly with. And he hit on a lot of like really interesting things. They talked about, they didn't even talk about the Ben situation that much. Just that Joel was like, basically like, I don't, I didn't really get it. Like it, it wasn't personal. It was about basketball. I didn't even call him out. Like the same stuff he's been saying. Um, a couple of my favorite parts. He had this really, really interesting kind of lengthy story about like his journey through from Cameroon, like to Kansas and where he is now and kind of lost his confidence along the way. It's all the same story points that he's told a million times, like saying he was going to be a red shirt freshman and Bill self being like, no, you're going to go number one in the draft. But he never has really talked about how like his like self-confidence was really shattered. And he just like, didn't believe it until he actually played in an NBA game. And then he's like irrational confidence kind of took over. Um, so I thought that part was really interesting. I also really liked the clip that probably has gone around the most about how he like nicknamed himself the process because he wanted to, on, he like literally says because of Sam Hinkie and he was mad that the NBA forced him out. And he's like, I'm not going to name names, but I will actually name names. The NBA forced him out. And that's just the thing that we love about Joel. It's him and Danny Green just like, don't care. They're just not going to keep their mouth shut. They'll say whatever they want. Um, yeah, so that- they, I feel like they do it in very different ways. Like Joel is just like, a, you know, this is what I'm thinking, but I've thought. I have thought, and this is what I think. Whereas Danny's just like, this is what came into my head, and uh, I'm just going to say it. Yep. And it, sometimes some, some really wild things from Danny. <laughs> it is fun. I will be sad when the Sixers, when he's not on the Sixers next year, because I probably won't listen to I listen to Danny Green's podcast just because he's on the team and I want to know what he's saying. But when he's on the team, I won't listen. But I'm going to miss the wild shit that he says. I like um, to think he's still like somewhat, you know, inhibited in what he allows himself to say right now. And like once he retires, we're going to just learn all kinds of things about like all the things that happened with the Sixers in this couple of years here. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would. Um, and then what else about? Oh, and then there's just like a really good thing of Joel and draymond trash talking each other and talking about each other's games that's really fun but i can't really recap that it's just funny it's like people who respect each other talking trash i think is the most fun because you know there's no animosity behind it so i recommend it if anyone wants to listen to it it's like an hour-long interview with joel where he's like pretty candid um outside of the jimmy butler not the Jimmy, the, is it the JJ, the JJ Raddick interview? It's probably like the most candid Joel's been on anything. So it's worth a listen. Speaking of uh, people who respect each other talking trash, look at that segue. Wow. Uh, Kevin Durant said that uh, Joel Embiid was his MVP, uh, I think in a media availability earlier this week. Um, not really surprised. They seem to you know really respect each other and, um, you know, he's had, you know, quite a few very flattering comments about Embiid this year to, to the media. So, um, but yeah, I mean, cool to hear. Um, Over DeRozan and Morant too. Doesn't care about Jokic, doesn't care about Giannis. He said Jokic is up there too. That, you know, you, <laughs> if, you know, they're not your top three, I have a hard time trusting your list, but we're going <laughs> to, we're going to take it anyway. Um, and very important news, Joel turned 28 this week. Um, happy birthday, Joel Embiid. We love you very much. Um, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. Happy birthday. Uh, 
Emily. Yeah, happy birthday to the best Philadelphia athlete that's been here in my time. Um, the team all wore shirts with his face on it, which was very funny. That's right, yes. Um, apparently, George Niang orchestrated the whole thing. He ordered the shirts for everybody. Um, there's a very cute clip of them singing happy birthday to Joel. Um, Tyrese is really leading the song. Tyrese always, I think he likes to sing. He always sings the national anthem as well. If you go to a game, they always show him. He's always singing the national anthem. So happy for Joel. It seems like he had a nice birthday. There was also the uh, the post-game clip where they asked him about his birthday. And he was like, yeah, it kind of sucks. Like, I wasn't with my family. And Harden's like, dude, we are your family. Yeah. So. yeah. But he's not Arthur. Harden is not Arthur. And he's not Joel's beautiful wife slash fiance. So... <laughs> Slash girlfriend. Slash girlfriend. I don't Definitely know. Definitely not they wife. Are. Right? You don't know that though. That'd be a that'd be an impressive secret to keep. But um, yeah. I mean, they kept uh, that she was pregnant secret for a really long time. All right, that's true. That's true. But um, you know, any excuse to celebrate Joel is always welcomed. Um, birthday's an easy one, so um, glad he got celebrated a bit there. Um, before we you know close up a little bit um. I want to give you and Drew your minute to discuss Formula One, which I know nothing about and am not particularly interested in. So uh, I don't even know how to introduce this topic. Just uh, have at it. Yeah, I'm introducing topics so that in the offseason, there's more random shit to talk about. So I decided Formula One should be one of those things. Plus, Joel is a Max Verstappen fan. So there's our segue into the Sixers. Drew. I think this was your first F1 race. What did you think of it? You know, I, I thought I'm a, I'm a pretty hard person to, to please generally. I'm, I'm just like overall picky. So even with when it comes to sports and what I like watching. So I was genuinely surprised about how well put together it was, um, especially the announcers. I had no idea any of like the words they were saying or or any terms and I still got it and then two cars just like imploded one of them caught on fire and Red Bull like I like Red Bull the drink and they both of their cars just died at the end and I, I don't know it was crazy and now I'm a fan for life and there's nothing anyone can do to change that fantastic did you watch drive to survive not on Netflix? no should i yes what is it about formula one <laughs> it's like a behind the scenes <laughs> of the old seasons with all the drivers and all of the like co principals slash that's what they call their coaches and the owners and it's very good and that's how i got into formula one and it's i'm obsessed so highly recommend i'll I'll keep an eye out for it. I'll definitely, I need to go on like a whole week long, just like Netflix binge yes. in the in the summer and just get through a bunch of stuff. Enjoy. Um, yep. So there's another race this weekend and that has been our Formula One minute. All right. So back to real sports. Uh, Joel Embiid got hit in the mouth, according to Kyle Newbeck, and is seeing the team dentist. Um, so... It did look like he um, had some discomfort in his mouth during the game. So 
Uh, not a huge surprise. Uh, hopefully this isn't some weird freak injury like we're accustomed to, like when Markel broke his face. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully Joel's fine. Um, uh, I don't know if you have any college basketball thoughts. Your blue hens were not phenomenal. I believe they lost in the first round for men and women. But I think that's okay because, you know, I've now gone to two schools and neither of them came anywhere close to making it with men or women. So, um, you know, making it at all seems much better. Um, and uh, that's an achievement on its own. The tournament's been fine, right? Like, uh, I don't know, it's always kind of the same, like awful basketball with like a really exciting end. Um, too many reviews this year. I don't know, they review everything now. I feel like they used to do that. I don't know. The, uh, I can't stand in college basketball all the timeouts where I hate where it's like, you know, you have the timeout that the coach calls like four minutes and five seconds left. And then with like 355, the ball goes out of bounds. There's another timeout. I'm not patient enough for that. But um, there's been some good upsets. Um, I'm all in on St. Peter's, who is from Jersey City, New Jersey. That is close enough to here, I think. I don't know. Um, they are the third 15 seed to ever make the Sweet 16, which is really cool. And uh, they're a fun team to watch, very likable. Uh, you have any other thoughts? Um, not particularly. There's no perfect brackets left in like ESPN's thing, which is crazy. It's only the first weekend. Um, I love that St. Peter's is the Peacocks. I think that's very funny. Um, the Sixers have screwed my bracket because I tend to pick teams of like the schools of players so Tyrese Maxey and his Wildcats really screwed me over and that's about all I've got I will say there have been a lot of twos getting upset so there's two half of the twos you know two of the four are out in the men's um and that's um Kentucky and Auburn and also in the women's uh Baylor and Iowa are out um and one of the best games I've seen so far was in the on the women's tournament um Belmont and Oregon in the first round. Belmont was a 12, upset Oregon in double overtime. Oregon missed the three to send the game to triple overtime uh, at the very end. So that was a cool one. Um, I think, you know, it's a it's a great, always a great, you know, stretch of four days here where there's like so many games on. I guess five, but I feel like Monday doesn't count because like, you know, the, the women's will the women play eight games, but like I feel like more okay to like not pay attention to work on like a Thursday and a Friday than I do on a Monday. Like, it's just not the same. Like, I feel like I should actually be like after a weekend of basketball, I should probably pay attention on Mondays. Um, but yeah, I mean, always, always love having so many options to choose from. And then the NBA games come on and, you know, it's great to have a, a second monitor this time of year. So uh, good time to be a basketball fan. Mm, the tournament's coming to Philly this weekend. So that's right. Yeah. They'll play the, for the East region, they'll play the two Sweet 16 games and the Elite Eight game. So uh, if anyone can afford to spend way too much money to watch a basketball game, then you should head down. Um, all right. That uh, is most of what we had to cover. We have a, uh, you know, well, you know, do you want to give us our uh, standings updates here? I don't think it, I'm still doing pretty bad, I think. And we'll do our predictions as well. Yeah. So, um. I went three and one this week. I called the wins against Cleveland and Dallas and the loss against Toronto, which is wild because I never picked them to lose. Um, and then you and Steve both went two and two. So me and Steve are tied at 44 and 27. And then you're four games back at 40 and 31. 
So this week, <laughs> it's fine. So this week, the Sixers play four games. They play at home against Miami tomorrow. They go to the West Coast and they play at the Lakers, at the Clippers, and then at Phoenix on Sunday at six. So I guess it's an afternoon game in Phoenix, but it's at six here. Um, we got the picks from Steve. He says loss against Miami, wins against the Lakers and the Clippers, and then a loss against Phoenix. Dan, what do you got? All right. Uh, well, you know, just because I'm like so sure they're going to lose tomorrow, I feel like they have a shot, but I think it's just a game that makes a lot of sense to rest in beating Harden. They looked awful tonight. Um, and, you know, it's been a, a tough stretch. I think it makes sense to, to get a day of rest there. Um, I almost want to pick them to lose to the Lakers because it's probably going to be past my bedtime. So why would I sweat it? Um, so it's like a, a free loss to pick and I have to go outside the box a little to come back. But the Lakers are just so bad. Like, I just don't think they can lose that game. <laughs> Um, so I'll say that they lose Miami. They beat the Lakers. Um, the Clippers, I feel like, are very Raptors-y in the West. Just like, I mean, they have Kawhi, so they have a higher top-end talent. But, like, in general, don't really have the talent to be, you know, among the better teams. And even they're, they're under 500. You know, they're not as good as the Raptors, but, like, just kind of annoying. Like, usually playing above, their, above you know, what you'd expect from them. Um, because I feel like I need to pick a loss. And again, it's at 1030, like another West Coast game really late. We'll call that one a loss. Um, and then the Suns have been playing really tough, even without Chris Paul. Devin Booker missed a few games. They still won some of them when he had COVID. He's been back. Um, they've been looking good. That game's in Phoenix. Um, you know, I really don't want to pick the Sixers to go one and three this week, but I'm going to say they lose to Phoenix because I got to make a move here. Got to try to come back. So uh, one and three with the only win being against the Lakers. All right. And then I'm going to go. Oh, Luna's here. Um, Luna. I'm going to say they win against Miami. I don't know why. I don't really have a good reason. I'm just going to say it. I think it's like one of those weird things where like, even if Joel sits, like what game did they, like when they beat Memphis. Yeah, like without Joel, or they beat Cleveland without him. Like, I don't remember, but it was like a good game and he wasn't playing and they still won. Um, I'm going to say they beat the Lakers because like you said, the Lakers are just really bad. They're just imploding continuously and I don't think they're going to lose to them. I want to say they beat the Clippers as well. I think that they just will. I don't really have a good reason. And I think they're going to lose to Phoenix because like you said, the the Suns are really, really good. So I think they'll be tired. They'll be, uh, it's like the third game of a road trip. They haven't been home. They want to get home. I don't even know if they go home after that, but I'm going to say a loss to Phoenix. So three and one this week. So we all have different things this week, actually. So there will be some movement in the, in the standings and the records. Excellent. Movement can only help me. Um, the uh, one thing I want to say real quick while we're on the topic of the Lakers being awful. And of course, now that we're, you know, saying this, the Sixers will lose that game, but the Lakers are 11 games under 500 and they have LeBron James on their team. And like, yeah, he's not at his, like, you know, he's very far from his peak. You might not even call this his prime, but he's still a, like very easily a top 10 player, you know, probably closer to a top five player. 
and they're horrible. And like they've screwed it up so bad. They won the Mickey Mouse title, but besides, like they haven't won a real championship. And like it's just been kind of crazy to see. And I think it, you know, it doesn't really like because they've basically been discounted at this point. And and I understand Davis hasn't played a lot, but like it doesn't get talked about. Like, and obviously, like LeBron gets a pass. He's like whatever, 37, 38, like end of his career like he's you know playing with house money here he doesn't need to be good at this point in his career he just happens to be but like I think it's under talked about for all of those reasons like how awful this team is versus how good they should be like you had LeBron James I, I it's, it's wild to me um yeah it, it seems like Westbrook is the big narrative on that team but they're all I, bad yeah like I don't think that they're bad because of him like it's just one of the many reasons that yeah exactly he's not helping but it's not all of him. no um you got anything else you want to talk about on this podcast or you want to go to bed um i do want to say one thing quick and then i want to go to bed i really really need either an explanation or i need james harden to join in on the pregame team hype circle i need him to do it or i need him to give me a reason why he doesn't because every time at the beginning of every game all the players get in a circle and they jump and they hype each other up and James Harden is never in the circle. He's always over by the bench by himself. That's fine. If he's doing something else, but I need an explanation or I need him to join the circle. It's only good for the vibes and I require information. That's all. I think that's fair. Like if his hamstring, he doesn't want to be jumping around unnecessarily. That's fine. You know, but if he's, we don't do DNP old anymore. Like the Al Horford year was a disaster. You just, you don't have to want to do it, but you're going to do it anyway. You know, yeah, we're gonna... all good vibes. Yeah, come on. All right. Uh, well, fabulous podcast. Um, Steve, I talked way too much this one. It's stressful. You got to come back uh, from, you know, your Vegas thing or whatever. You can't leave um, the kids alone. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, come on. We're, uh, this isn't, we're not cut out for this really. Come on. Um, all right. Well, you know, go follow, you know, us on Twitter. So follow Emily, you know, third and girl, Steve is Steve J. Littman. Uh, I tweet from the, from at gastro blues pod. Uh, so, you know, go follow us there. Uh, follow Drew. Drew is phenomenal. As Steve would say, we love Drew. Um, Drew is at DA Pelts some numbers 13 maybe um just search drew peltzman you'll find him um and uh yeah we have a youtube follow us so subscribe to us on youtube i don't really know how youtube works but uh emily and i are both looking very handsome tonight and if you're not watching on youtube you're fully missing out on you know the not just the beauty in our voices but the beauty in our physical appearances that this podcast brings i mean really you know, we are, we are a made for TV podcast and look at us. You have to look at us, go, go on our YouTube. Um, you might be disappointed um, with how I've just sold myself as very handsome, but that's okay. I don't you know. You can I'm see just... me continuously looking under the desk to see what my dog is doing. Some days I eat on the podcast um, and I know everyone wants to see that. I don't know. I'm really tired. I'm just kind of going on now. I'm doing a Steve where you can't really end the podcast, Mm -hmm. but uh, thank you for listening. If you made it this far and we'll see you next Sunday, be safe and be great.